Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. He's shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CUDA Confidential Podcast, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. A really big win for the Barracuda, I thought, last night. Coming back from that road trip in which they had a gut check victory on Friday against Iowa and then came back a lot of travel and fell uh, in a third period in which Stockton scored four goals. But you bounce back on Tuesday. It's a very good Iowa team. And you pick up a 5-3 win, aided by four third-period goals. It was good to see the offense kind of find their stride again. Yeah, the month of February just seemed like a grind for everybody involved. The, the equipment staff, the coaching staff, all the, the, the travel that they had to go through and the, the good teams that they had to play, it, was, it, was, it just wasn't an easy month, right? And it seemed like yesterday – uh, it was really, you know, it felt like the first time since, you know, a couple months ago where, where we saw that same Barracuda team who had started the year off so hot and everything just kind of gelled together. And they thought they, that was a, was a good sign to see, I think, especially going to what we have uh, coming up here over the next week or so, to see that and, and come out and score four goals in the third period and, and really dominate from what I thought was a second period on. I mean, the first period was the same, same old song and dance with Iowa. Those games have always been kind of close and, and, They've been tight. They both teams kind of keep things to the outside for the most part. But second period on, it was very lopsided. I felt in favor of the Barracuda, and to see them explode with those four goals, and and not only just score four goals, but do it with a, a confidence, it felt like we had been missing that. So it was good to see that come back. Yeah, you could just almost see it come come in like a wave where the team just kind of picked up the momentum in the midway point of that second period, and then carried it in third as they put those four into the back of the net in route to the 5-3 win. So a really nice victory for the club. And it shows, too, it, with the, the confidence that the group has, like once things start going in the right direction and really going in their favor, it's very easy for that snowball to just pick up and things continue to, to go well. I mean, the, the goals happened within minutes of each other, it felt like. It, it just They caught Iowa back on their heels, and they – kept the foot on the gas, which was really nice. Good to see the blue line shipping as well. I mean, they've really been there all year, especially when you look at the top with Kyle Wood and, and Nick Simone adding offense. Wood with 25 assists now. But you get three defensemen to score, Kevin Fitzgerald, Jeremy Watt, and Nick Simone all scoring that hockey game. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, the PK um, has generated two goals in, in the last two games. They had just two previous to that. But the power play has given up a couple shorties as well. It's been kind of a weird Jekyll and Hyde type of situation with the Barracuda on the power play because they've been giving up a lot of shorthanded chances. But all of a sudden, they're generating shorthanded chances themselves. So, you know, for whatever reason, that's been kind of the narrative over the last four games. But you do get a shorthanded goal from Nick DeSimone that tied the game up in the second period. And then Iowa comes back. They score one. Iowa actually had a third goal they scored. And they're it was waved off. off a weird little situation. There was a collision right at the – um, Sandals, they blue line, leads to a 2 on 0 They score. I didn't hear a whistle. I don't know if you did down. So I, so I didn't even know that there was a goal scored on the play. I think I was watching the altercation at the blue line and what it looked like. If, if I'm not mistaken, it was the, a Middleton collision. It was Jake Middleton. Yeah, so what happened was it looked like they collided, and then the I forget who it was for Iowa, but was hanging on to Middleton, not letting him get up. So obviously that's a holding penalty. And they get up and they start pushing and shoving, which led to the subsequent roughing penalty. So that's why Iowa got that extra one. But it must have been blown dead when they 
call it the hold, which obviously nullified the goal. Yeah, it seemed that, I mean, that's the conclusion you have to come to once you look at the box score, but it didn't seem like there was a uh, whistle blown. Joe O'Donnell, who's the broadcaster for Iowa, said he didn't hear a whistle either. So well, the, kind of the, on, the, on uh, the replay I saw, the referee, you know, signals for the goal, but you can see as soon as the the puck, like, is being shot into the net, everybody on the Barracuda is starting to skate back to go aid in uh, the altercation of the blue line. Yeah. So, I, I, like I said, I had no idea what happened. I was getting text messages from my father saying, no goal, penalty, <laughs> yeah. like, what's going on? I was like, yeah. I, don't, I, was, I, don't, I, I said, was confused. I think Joe was confused. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. each other trying to figure it out. Um, there wasn't really much of a, a signal. The only thing that said maybe this isn't going to be a goal is the fact they never put it up on the board for yeah. it to be a goal. It was never at any point did it say 3-1, to one, but it didn't seem like there was a whistle blown. It was Jake Middleton, Kyle Rao just got tied up. They end up giving roughing penalties to each side and then a holding penalty to Rao, who was kind of holding on to Middleton. And that certainly was a... a um, a big reason why there was a two on zero. It was a yeah. weird play. All this stuff. And the collision. hold is what, yeah, the hold is what led to the roughing penalties. Because yeah. I mean, I'm watching it. They both collide. Middleton is being held from getting up, and he gets I mean, obviously frustration. He starts. He throws a couple punches. Ralph throws a couple punches, and it is what it is. But um, yeah, weird, weird situation for sure. Weird situation indeed. Um, we just got through the trade deadline, which is a very kind of, you know, you're on eggshells a bit mm-hmm. in the American Hockey League. Because we saw it throughout the league, big pieces moved. Um, Vegas moved one of their top prospects, who was with the Chicago Wolves in a trade that uh, included Mark Stone. So we here in San Jose with the Barracuda were a little bit uneasy on what could potentially transpire. Yeah. You end up getting through it without giving up any prospects, and you get one. And Jonathan Dolan, who joined the club from the Utica Comets, a former second-round pick of the Ottawa Senators, acquired by Vancouver a couple years ago, and this is rookie season in the American Hockey League. A guy with eight power play goals. He has 14 goals in total and a nice little offensive maybe boost in the final stretch of the season. So you don't lose anybody, you get an addition, and another group was pretty excited to have him last night. I think the expectation certainly had to be tempered because he had traveled all day, mm-hmm. didn't get much sleep, and then he's in a different time zone. It was technically like 11 o'clock you know, by the time he started playing in the game. But um, for his situation, I thought he played respectively, and I, and I'm, I know I'm excited about what we can get maybe from this kid. Yeah, it's it's he definitely, for someone who had as long of a day as he did yesterday, I know he said he was up at like 2, 3 a.m. or something, getting in a taxi in Utica and going to Syracuse and then flying and he's got a layover he gets here I think he showed up at the arena or he landed at like 11:30. shows up here around 12 to just drop his bags off went to the hotel came here so it's a whirlwind of a day for him I'm sure uh, but I, I thought he looked okay he made a couple of really nice passes which is I mean, you'll see we're bringing on uh, Utica's broadcaster my cousin yep. uh, Joe Roberts who talked a little bit about uh, Jonathan and, and what to expect from him and the things he was talking about is, is what you noticed right away. He's, he goes to those gritty areas a little bit. He's got great vision, so we saw a little bit of that last night. Um, you could definitely tell at times the, the legs weren't there, I think. And I think you can chalk a lot of that up to the, the travel. But in all, the trade deadline, like you said, it, it's you never know what to expect, right? I think I thought this year we were in a pretty fortunate situation, knowing that given the situation the Sharks were in, they weren't really looking to add a major, major piece, which is going to cost a lot of prospects. Um, you know, and I, th- I think the, the one guy, uh, not really, there's really one guy you can kind of single out who you kind of keep an eye on, but, um, I think it'll be nice to, now that the Sharks have added Nyquist, which is a great addition for them, we can talk about that a little bit later too, but, um, I believe that may make a forward expendable on their roster. So, but I mean, and I know at some point, I think Radil 
is the only guy who's now eligible to come down to the Barracuda for a playoff run. So who knows if we see anybody, but it's, I think the, like you said, the most important part to it is we're going to, the roster we have right now is the roster we're moving forward with. Yep. That's what we're going to be, obviously bearing injuries or anything like that up top. What we see now is what we're going to get, and I love the team we have right now. Yeah, and, and with the addition of, of Nyquist, it has a ripple effect with Dylan Gambrell because there was, you know, the, the thought maybe Gambrell will go up. There's still a chance he could be up there with the Sharks during their playoff run just as an extra, but right now it gives the Barracuda a better opportunity to have Gambrell services. And, man, has he been red hot as of late. Three points, points last in the last seven games. Yeah. And he continues to put the puck in the back of the net for the Barracuda. Had another goal, two helpers last night. His third three-point night of the season. So he is certainly figuring it out in a big way. And he changed his number with Nyquist joining the organization. Nyquist won at 14. Gambro won at 7 in college. And actually said he was going to ask for it at some point. Was thinking he'd probably ask in the offseason. Didn't want to step on anybody's toes and maybe, you know, go out of his uh, – you know, what he felt was a comfortable area asking for that. But he gets this number seven, which he wore in college at, uh, at Denver. He won a national championship wearing seven, and he was, uh, he was smiling and grinning that he was getting his old yeah. number back. I had him sign – I had to have him sign a, a stick before uh, morning skate, and he signed it, and right as he was going to do his number, he was like, oh, I, I got <laughs> make sure I put seven. I got to get used to that. It's yep. going to take a while to get used to. So, uh, no, I think it's, it's cool for him, and, and uh, I think it's a, a good opportunity for him, obviously, now that – the things up top are a little bit more solidified for him to be able to play down here and play regular minutes as opposed to maybe playing on a fourth line role up there. He can play top line minutes here. He can play power play time, play penalty kill, really use in all situations and really round out his game. I think that's going to do great for his development. Okay, let's go back to Dolan really quick. This is uh, a few words that uh, Sharks general manager Doug Wilson had to say following the acquisition of Dolan, what he thinks he can provide for the Barracuda in their playoff run. He comes from good stock, um, hardworking kid that uh, – uh, we've followed right from, um, you know, from his draft eligible years, and our guys are excited to get him. You know, we gave up a good player, uh, Linus, who we drafted in the 87 spot, uh, and actually had moved up to get him. But, uh, uh, you know, Jonathan was a second-round pick that uh, uh, has had some pretty good accomplishments already. He's, uh, he's going to come into the Barracuda and be a big boost for them, and they've got a big playoff run going too. Uh, but we think he has a, a very good future in the NHL also. So, again, good stuff from, from the general manager. Always nice when your GM helps you out, throws you maybe a, a bit of a bow oh, yeah. with your American League club. And it helps with the San Jose Barracuda being here so close. I mean, it's a different situation when you're across the country in Worcester. You know, the organization not only is invested in the development of these guys and the, the success in, in learning – teaching them how to win and be successful at the American League level, they want to see this team win too because they've right. got a fan base here. Yeah, now, so. that's what it's, it's not about, you know, just getting playoff experience for these guys as young as they are. You, you want them to have winning experience, and we are fortunate enough to be set up in a decent position where we can legitimately compete and make a good playoff run. I think adding and strengthening what we have is important, and let's not forget the AHL trade deadline is, is still a week or so away, so could another you know, a veteran-type player who's on an AHL deal get, get brought in? That's always a possibility, too. So, um, But like I said, I like the group we have now, and I, I feel pretty confident about it. Yep, to be determined, and uh, yeah, a couple more days of uh, maybe some uncertainty. I would be shocked, though, if anything major happened on the Barracuda side in yeah. terms of adding. I think this is kind of the team they're going to have down the final stretch. 
Um, you mentioned your cousin, uh, Joe Roberts, the voice of the Utica Commons. Of course, he was very familiar with Jonathan, having him in Utica to start the year, and he had some very glowing words about the young man. So without further ado, let's welcome in Joe, who uh, joined us earlier this afternoon. All right, welcome back. We're talking to the voice of the Utica Commons, Joe Roberts. There was a big trade right before the deadline between the Vancouver Canucks and the San Jose Sharks. Jonathan Dolan included in a trade from Utica to San Jose. He made his Barracuda debut last night. So we wanted to bring Joe on, who happens to be the cousin of our marketing manager, Joey Goldstein, um, and talk a little bit about Jonathan, what type of guy he is, what type of player fans should expect, and maybe a little bit of a background on Jonathan moving forward. I do want to start, though, you guys do a, a weekly podcast, and you had him on this week, and you're planning on, uh, you know, sending it out to the masses. You also had another plan for some more content with him, and as it goes in pro hockey, sometimes things just got to be scratched, so... You were forced to throw away that content, and uh, probably a, a little bit frustrating, but still kind of some laughs in the end as well, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, uh, the machine has to keep moving, doesn't it? Uh, so happy to join you guys and happy to be uh, reunited with my cousin over the phone here. Let's also keep in mind this is not nepotism. It's uh, purely based on my expertise as American Hockey broadcaster. That's how I earn my spot in Cuda Confidential. Um, so... Yeah, Jonathan Dallin, uh, I think you guys are really fortunate to get uh, a, a good player and a better person. Um, you know, I, I put a lot of a lot of stock in guys who I like off the ice, guys who get it in the community um, and around the arena. And uh, obviously he's a guy with a sky-high ceiling. You saw what he did last year in the Swedish Second League. He helped lead his team to promotion. He was the league's MVP at 20 years old. Um, he's just got a lot of talent. Um, you know, he, he's got a great backhand. He can score goals when he's close to the net, spent a lot of time on our power play, um, and he, he logged some pretty good ice time playing with some talented players. So, um, you know, I, and I can't speak too much on behalf of the Vancouver organization, but, um, you know, they felt that uh, a move was necessary, and, and they play sort of a long game, if you will, with prospect that was returned our way. Um, so it's kind of wait and see on that. But in the meantime, you know, you guys in San Jose obviously get a dynamic forward who um, you'll find out when you get to watch him play in extended periods of time. Uh, he's got terrific edge work. Uh, he's good along the perimeter of the offensive zone. And, um, you know, he's, he's a pretty good puck handler as well. Yeah, I mean, we were watching. He made his debut uh, last night. We were watching him, and he immediately jumped in on the power play. Uh, and and you could see kind of incre- – we've – Increased our puck movement a little bit. I think we had some some struggles with that, but but he's great. He's kind of the the guy right in the middle of everything, kind of helping facilitate uh, where the direction of play is going. So, I guess overall, I mean, what kind of what kind of players are you know, Cuda Country going to see out of this kid? Yeah, man, I think you're going to see exactly that. You're going to see a guy who once he once he gets his confidence up and that scoring touch, he can score a lot of goals. Uh, but he has fantastic vision, and he's a great distributor of the puck. Um, you know, he finds windows to move the puck around. He makes some unbelievable passes uh, that kind of have some jaw-dropping effect every so often. And, uh, you know, he's just a, a high-skill player. Uh, he's, a, he's a prototypical Swedish-skilled player. Um, and, you know, he's not very big, but he's got a good shot. Uh, he, he, he can distribute the puck on the power play. Uh, when he was in Utica, he was really uh, navigating that left side, uh, the left half wall on the power play. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to blow you away with his speed, but he's a good skater. 
Um, so I know that that sounds kind of um, counterintuitive or like an oxymoron, but he really is. He's a solid skater. Uh, really, the, the, the big thing they were working on was just playing all three zones. Um, and, and as you guys know, as you watch guys develop in San Jose uh, and get called up and, and move across the hall into the big club room, you can't do it when you're only playing a 60-foot game. So they're trying to work on all 200 feet of that game. Um, you know, making sure that in all three zones he can be trusted uh, as opposed to just the offensive zone. So while he still has a long way to go, I think he's one of those guys that has a ceiling. And, uh, you know, I think it's neat that he's back uh, or that he's in the San Jose organization. Uh, he never lived in San Jose when his dad, Olf, was playing for the Sharks. Uh, he wasn't born yet. He was born and, and lived in Washington and Dallas for a little bit. But it's cool that he's back in the organization uh, that his dad was in and that he gets to wear his dad's number two. So there's a little bit of, um, uh, you know, uh, there's a full circle element to it. And, and I, I appreciate that element because I, uh, I love the storytelling part of this whole business. We're talking to the voice of the Utica Comets, Joe Roberts. He's a guy who mentioned, I spoke to him yesterday before the game, he mentioned that he started to feel like he was figuring it out in terms of the North American game, the smaller ice, the type of commitment it takes to get to the front of the net. He was sick about a week leading into that trade, so he said he was a bit frustrated in the fact that he thought he was figuring it out and then he missed a little bit of time. From a broadcast standpoint, did you notice that the game was starting to maybe slow down a bit for him here in North America? Yeah, I mean, I would think so for sure. Uh, you know, if you're not playing with more confidence and more abilities, the season goes on. Uh, you know, if you're not getting better, what are you getting? Um, and I think he was getting better for sure. And I think that that's all a product of it, that confidence and, and that uh, understanding of losing, you know, seven and a half uh, feet on each side of the ice, really. So um, I think he was working that out, and I think it, it helped him become a little bit more dynamic in Utica. And, uh, he did. He was ill. He was out a week, and we were kind of joking the other day. He and I. He's like, man, like I, I was out for a whole week, and they kind of bagged me after practice. He's like, that's not easy. He's like, it is not easy to get back from a week. So, um, you know, I, I still think that, you know, I don't know what he looked like last night because, uh, you know, you guys are over there in the Pacific time zone are way past my bedtime when you drop the puck, but. Um, I do know that a little bit of patience is, is certainly going to be a virtue for everybody involved because not only is he coming off a week-long bug, but he traveled out to the West Coast, and I imagine that that was all kind of helter-skelter for him. So um, I think if you just give him a little bit of time, you'll probably like what you see, and, and I certainly hope he can produce. I, I hope he can uh, figure it out there because uh, he's a great kid, and uh, you know you root for good things to happen to good people, and, and he's good people. So um, I'll be rooting for him on a personal level because I like Dolly, um, and, I, and I really hope uh, that he can figure it out with you guys. So he's in, looks like he's in year two of his entry-level deal, so we'll see him again uh, next season. So I guess my question for you with my bread and butter here is what what kind of person are they are Barracuda fans going to see off the ice? How, how much is this guy going to contribute uh, away from the rink? What's he, you know, what kind of a person is he? You obviously know him much better than we do, so what can you share with us about that? Yeah, he's been a terrific ambassador for the Utica Comets. He's been one of those guys who is quick to put pen on paper when we look for guys to volunteer for community appearances. Uh, he's out reading the kids. He's out doing uh, street hockey programs. He's very, very active in the community, and I think he understands the importance of that. Um, you know, there's guys who, you know, it's like pulling teeth sometimes to get them out into the community and, 
and uh, they make uh, jobs like yours and mine a whole lot easier when you get guys who have a willingness to do it. You don't have to uh, fall on all, all fours and beg. So um, he, he's going to be very involved. He's going to be someone who will have uh, a name recognition in that town because he finds a way to get out there and promote the team uh, as a community ambassador and a team ambassador. So I, I think you're going to get a guy that you're really going to enjoy working with. Linus Carlson, the guy that went the other way, was a third rounder for the Sharks last spring, a guy the Sharks traded up for. He was in development camp, showed off a lot of promise. He had a couple goals, had a really, really good shot. He's kind of more a long-term plan. He's just 19 years of age, still kind of figuring it out in the early stages of his career. As you look at the situation, and you don't want to speak on behalf of Vancouver, but does it kind of make you think that the Canucks are still in kind of a long-term rebuilding stage at this point in the franchise? Um, That's a a hard hitter. Um, You know, I'm not sure. Uh, You're right when you say, Nick, that I can't speak on behalf of the Canucks because I just can't. Uh, You know, I'm not not entirely sure what's going on in their minds up there. Uh, What I do know is that they're a team that is uh, wants to make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, are they cup contenders? I- I'm not sure. Um, could they make the playoffs? Yeah, certainly they could. Um, and and they are they're they're playing the long game with that, right? So they they still have assets that they thought that in a couple years can certainly be uh, someone who's helpful. You know, they're projecting him as being a potential third line centerman in the National Hockey League who uh, can surprise you with some goal scoring and, and just be a productive player. Uh, in the meantime, I'm not sure if Vancouver was looking to. Uh, moved down for a piece that could help uh, right now because Vancouver seems to be, excuse me, uh, save for a couple, a uh, couple minor moves that they made. You know, Josh Levo they bring in earlier in the year, Ryan Spooner they bring in uh, right around the trade deadline. They call Adam got that up and Luke Shen, and and it seems like they're going to keep those guys the rest of the way based on what happened at the trade trade deadline. So it seems like right now they're pretty satisfied. Uh, with the roster that they have. So, um, you know, it's it's a long play. It's a long play uh, where he falls into the equation. I don't think we'll know. I know we won't know this year. I don't know if we'll know next year either. So uh, we'll obviously keep our eyes on it. But Vancouver, in the meantime, is a team that's trying to push for the playoffs. Speak, I mean, speaking of playoffs, you guys in Utica are right in the thick of things uh, in that North Division. Uh, and I guess out here on the Pacific side, obviously, we play less games. We, we really kind of out of tune with uh, the way things are going out there. So, I guess, what's the season been like for you guys in Utica in that North Division? Yeah, you guys obviously play more games than us, the three and threes, lots of lots of long long weekends. So, what's it been like for you guys out there? Yeah, sometimes you get long weekends, but we have short bus trips, so I don't hate that part of it. Um, we are in uh, kind of the, the hotbed of the American Hockey League out in the Northeast. So, uh, as you know, Joey being a, a, a Worcester Stonian, a Worcestonian, whatever they call you guys, uh, that you know how popular the AHL is out here, and uh, the North Division is pretty good. Uh, right now, it's uh, teams that are really putting together some solid hockey. I mean, even Belleville with a, uh, I don't know what their point streak is at, a, a whole lot of games. I'll tell you that much. It's not quite what Bakersfield is doing, but it's still pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it's competitive. It's tight. It's going to be tight. Uh, Rochester and Syracuse are kind of jockeying for the top spot. They can score a lot of goals on their teams. Utica does the same, um, but it's just uh, teams that see so much of each other, and I know you guys have that out west as well, where you just have such a familiarity with the teams uh, in your division because you play them so much that you uh, 
you just know that when the playoffs roll around, anything can happen. Uh, you know, there's not any team that dominates another one on any given night. It's just kind of a crapshoot and a coin flip. Um, so I, I think that once the playoff race heats up, which it's already doing right now, it's going to be a wild ride in the north. Uh, you know, I can't anticipate who's going to come out of it. And I don't know if anybody can. Uh, if you're one of the four teams that makes it in from the north, uh, play your game and let the parity uh, kind of bubble to the top. So um, it's going to be fun. That, that much I do know. Joe, we know you got a game today, so we really do appreciate the time. I hear that the weather is still pretty crazy out there. I know Jonathan said he left and there was a blizzard going on. So stay warm. And uh, best of luck in the final stretch of the season. Again, thanks a lot for uh, jumping on. My pleasure, boys. Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. We'd like to thank Joe, of course, for joining us here, uh, spending a little bit of his time with us, some of his day. It's a game day, so yeah, they're busy I know today. how that goes. You know how that goes with game days. It's not easy to get away, so we do appreciate um, Joe giving us some insight on the type of guy Jonathan is and what to expect. We've already hung out with him a couple times now. I met him yesterday. Saw him play. He was in the um, in the locker room today, getting the tour and getting mm-hmm. an idea of the lay of the land of the practice facility. And seems like a great kid. And, yeah. Um, of course, his dad Ulf played for the Sharks, so there's a family connection. Same number, wearing uh, 22, wearing number which 22, is pretty cool. So um, they don't often give away those lower numbers. We saw Gambrell get a lower number. But yeah. Not too often do guys get lower numbers, but that's kind of a tip of a, and a cap, maybe a bit of respect to his dad. He'll put it on the number 22 and. Um, played here for years. He wore a letter here. I mean, this he's yeah. This is know, a guy. Yeah, not, not a slouch. He played a lot of NHL yeah, games. Yeah, he did. He was um, a skilled guy. I, I think his father was a top ten pick in in the National Hockey League. So some good genes, some good stock, as as uh, Doug Wilson mentioned as well. So um, fun to get to another um, Dolan within the organization here. We Let's met- go to some questions. Or yeah, no. Well, we mentioned in the when we were talking to my cousin that you know they recorded a podcast with him the day of the trade and they were supposed to do it <laughs> another they do this comments in cars getting coffee where they drive around with uh one of the guys and kind of just talk about life outside the rink and things that make them tick uh kind of like how we do when we bring our guests on but they were supposed to do that with Dolan as well so um oh, we should have we could have just probably just asked for the audio from their <laughs> podcast and just slid that in that could have been like our interview but um no we it's uh happy to have the kid here and like you said Joe only had glowing words to say about him so uh, we do have some questions uh, before we wrap up and quickly look ahead to what we got coming up. But uh, first question here, it's, it's I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit, but not so much of a question, but what's the kind of our first impression of, of Dolan yesterday and what we what we thought? Well, I think he's definitely going to be a power play guy, a guy they can go to uh, on the man advantage to try to provide some offense. He's proven that already with his eight power play goals and ranks third among all rookie players. I think it was it was hard to put any sort of – stock in, in yeah. last night's game. I mean, he traveled all day. It's a new team, new teammates, different jersey, different city, you name it. Um, there was an adjustment to be had for him. So I think let's get through the weekend. Let's see how he fares on the road. Um, the Barracuda will be back home on Tuesday of next week to start off a five-game homestand. So we'll have a better idea as we continue in the next week and a half. But for a guy coming in, I thought he played admirably. I think it was a, a big, you know, order for him to try to come in and have any sort of major impact. But um, to be determined. Yeah. Uh, another question this is probably more for you than it is for me since you, you travel a lot more than I do is what's your favorite road city to, to play in, whether it's the building or the city itself? Well, it's uh, in the Pacific Division. There's no doubt it's San Diego. San Diego kind of, you know, you don't need to – everybody who's been to San Diego knows it's one of the best cities in, in the entire country. But they have a great fan base too. It's a really old building, kind of a weird broadcast position. You're, you're kicked way back and 
and uh, you know, it's the seats aren't on top of each other; they're kind of more stretched backwards. Uh, but that's a really fun building. It's old school. Um, the old San Diego Clippers, when the, when the Clippers were in San Diego before they moved to LA, played there. So there's some um, history to the building. Uh, their crowd is rowdy, so that's always a fun place to go. I love going to Grand Rapids, so it's a yeah, really cool. That's what I was going to say. It's, I, I haven't gotten out to many roads. I, I, I've been to San Diego and and Tucson and Grand Rapids. I've been to Iowa, but Grand Rapids, for me, I, I like that one a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, Grand Rapids is a great town. I, I really enjoyed Iowa. They had an excellent crowd on Friday, more than 14,000, and then going to stay in the division again i mean tucson's a great spot too that's going back to my old college stomping yeah. grounds great weather all the time and um, another fun trip to go this next question uh somebody wants to know what jersey uh do we prefer that they buy so if we could steer them in a direction of you know customizing a barracuda jersey who would, who would you point them in that th- who would you well, say it's nice to see the orange jerseys back it was and i don't know if it was influenced by the fact that you don't see the orange all year and then you see it and it's like oh yeah those look pretty sharp but i like the orange um my favorite colors, so that's pretty easy. But teal is kind of a classic too. Um, I don't know; they're all good looking. You could even go white because it's sharp. Well, if you could, and if you could point them in the direction of, of getting it customized, well, oh, players off our roster, who would who would a you? A player kinda, off the roster. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of. I don't want to be too biased to anybody, but if you're looking at a guy that's uh, been up and down, probably maybe a Gambrell who yeah. has an extended. You know, we expect an extended career at the NHL level. Um, Johnny Max, a classic. You want to stick with a guy that's a Cuda guy. He's the only one that's been here for all four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What, what, what would you go with? I don't know. That's, I have so many. We have, I know, I wouldn't want to be it's biased, nice about having a, a good team. We've got a lot of options. Uh, I mean, going taking choosing the leading scorer and Alexander True is not a bad option. Either the goaltenders are a great option. or And then you could look at anybody that wears a letter. So like you said, Johnny Mack, Jake Middleton, Kyle Wood, anybody really. I mean, yep. lots of options. So for the – Person who sent in this question, uh, sorry, we couldn't give you a definitive answer, but basically what we're saying is you can't go wrong with whoever you choose. Yes. So that's always nice. Um, thoughts on the Sharks acquiring Gustav Nyquist? What do we think about that? I'm excited about it. And, I, and that was a guy kind of in my own head I thought was somebody maybe they would circle and try to target. I know a lot of people thought maybe Wayne Simmons, but, you know, you aren't giving away the, the complete farm to go get him. He's a highly skilled forward who, you know, has proved at the NHL level he can put up a lot of points. I know a couple years ago, um, I think he really jumped on the map. He had, like, a brilliant move, yeah. like a dazzling style move where, like, wow, this guy has high-end NHL skills. So certainly the skill is there. I want to see him with, you know, the type of roster the Sharks have because Detroit, let's be honest, over the last couple of years have had some good Struggled players. a little bit. But, you know, they've been out of the playoff picture, yeah. you know, on the outside looking in. So I want to see him with a, a true Stanley Cup contender, what he can provide and what he can add to this group. Yeah, I think it adds tremendous depth to what the Sharks have. It's now you can feel like you can roll three strong lines very, very well. Uh, but, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch a ton of the game last night against Boston, but from everything it sounds like and seeing the sound bites, it's he was – may have been their best player on the ice, so that's definitely promising. Um, um, he's obviously going to help this team going forward. Adds another scoring punch, especially it seems like he was playing on that Thornton line last night. So anybody you put with Jumbo is going to be a, a, a boost because he's such a talented player, but putting someone like Nyquist out there is, is going to help tremendously as well. Uh, two more questions here, uh, or three more questions. Uh, how are the guys – you know, gelling after all the trades in the locker room. So really, I guess, with the addition of Hensick, and, and even though that wasn't a trade, but with the addition of Hensick and, uh, and Jonathan Dolan, you know, how does it, how's the environment? Um, I mean, it, it seemed like yesterday, 
it, everything hit off well. I mean, none of the guys are everybody. It's such a great room. Yeah. They're all so welcoming. Yep. They're a very close knit group. So it seems like everybody's fit in pretty well. Yeah, they, it, no doubt about it. And um, with Hensick being an older guy, the oldest player now on the roster, um, you know, only appropriate that he's kind of gravitated toward John McCarthy. Those two seem like they're already, you know, um, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a little easier to relate when you're, you know, in your early 30s and you're at a similar stage in your life. McCarthy engaged. Um, Hensick already married with, you know, with a kid. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a connection there with those two. But, Again, such a great locker room. There's not mm-hmm. a bad apple in the entire group. It wouldn't matter really who you put in there. As yeah. long as you come in with a good attitude, you're going to fit in. Yeah, they're well. all going to so mesh well. They all hang out yeah. off the ice together. They all, and that's the key, right? That's the key to winning teams, the key to um, good locker rooms. The guys want to hang out when they're not yeah. at the rink. And He's a golfer. He'll fit in well. I know guys love does to he golf. golf? Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. If he does, I would assume he's in there. I feel like our guys, it's insane. They're getting more and more in a golf. It's raining today, and guys want to go play today. It's raining. They want to go play in the rain. Crazy. Uh, so for people who didn't watch the game last night, uh, they asked who, who is uh, Dolan going to line up with. So last night he was on a line with Alexander True and John Martin, which I thought looked pretty good. But there were also times where I saw him on a line with Gambrell and Alexander True. So uh, I guess is there anybody in your eyes who you can see him kind of meshing with? Well, I talked to Roy Sommer before the game yesterday and what his philosophy was putting Dolan on that line. And, of course, Francis Perron was part of that group for a lot of the year. And they liked how Perron was able to kind of sit where he likes to sit, and that's in the high slot in a shooting position. John Martin will go and do the heavy lifting, protect the puck, and Alexander True can come into support and also drift towards the slot as well. So I think that was the mindset with Dolan joining that group, a skilled guy. And Perron, as Roy alluded to, you know, from a scoring standpoint, he's dried up a little bit over the last month. Those were, you know, Roy's words. But it was nice to see Perron be highly involved last night. He had a couple of helpers. Hits post twice. And hit the post twice. I mean, we've seen there's glimpses there. And he had a couple really good chances. I mean, really good yeah. in Iowa, especially on that Friday. Um, a couple Point Blake looks that just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. A couple of them went over his stick, through his stick. He, he whipped on. So I think Perron's getting back in his groove. But that was, I think, the mindset. Dolan, similar type of player, score. Let's put him on a line with guys who protect the puck. We'll go in as an F1, protect, center it to you, and, and set you up. Yeah, with Perron, I think – he, like you said, he maybe has the scoring touch has kind of dipped off a little bit. I think what he's, at least what I saw last night, and even some of the games in Iowa, is he's starting to come back to the middle of the ice a little bit more, which is where you see I mean, Alexander Struess scoring a lot of his goals from right in the middle, and he's coming off the perimeter a little bit more, and he's getting a lot better opportunities. So hopefully yeah. that's something he's, he's seeing as well and continuing to kind of build off of as we go forward. Uh, last question here as we look ahead to this, you know, this upcoming week, Big, big, after, you know, after we got Ontario, we got a big three-game stretch against uh, the hottest team in the AHL. They've won 17 in a row as of us recording this. Uh, Bakersfield Condors. We got three games against them in a row. So we look at the weekend. What do you think the Bear could have taken? How many out of three? Well, I think the one thing San Jose's got to be very conscious of is don't overlook Ontario. This is no right, absolutely. It's just it's a bit of a a trap almost with this Friday game and then playing Bakersfield three straight games starting on Saturday. So San Jose's got to handle their business to start with Ontario and would certainly get them in a nice groove. That would mean back-to-back wins if they could take down the rain. And then you go into Bakersfield. Depending on the result on Friday, they'll have Iowa kick off three straight between these two clubs. The next two will be at the SAP Center following Saturday's game. I think this is going to be the division crown. Whoever can kind of win, you know, whoever comes out of this one, two two of three, 
uh, maybe even take all three, you're going to put, you know, put your vice grips on the top of the division. So um, San Jose plays Bakersfield well. You go yeah. back to the start of the year, I mean, this is a different Different, yeah, different they team, a but completely different group. Um, but they played them tough a couple weeks back. Um, and part of this this run, I know Bakersfield have beat San Jose the last couple times, but they were competitive. They had a lead in the second period, and then the Condors had a big second period and ended up riding that to the win. So, I think if San Jose plays within their structure, they keep the game tight. They don't allow for Bakersfield to take advantage of mistakes. That's kind of what they want to do with Josh Curry. Joe Gambardella, you know, all these guys that are that are quick striking forwards. Keep it tight, yeah. don't make mistakes, and you've got a pretty good chance to win. Because I think if you match up from a defensive standpoint, San Jose has the edge. From a goaltending standpoint, San Jose has the edge. Yeah. From the forwards, it's kind of a, a bit, I would say, you know, it's pretty balanced. Yeah. So if you can be pretty defensively sound, you've got a pretty good chance to win. Yeah. I, I'd like to say we can, you know, like you said, if we can play within our, our scheme and limit the amount of turnovers and, and mistakes, there's no reason we can't take it a minimum two out of three. I mean, I, I do think overall we are – I think we are a better team than them. It's just sometimes hockey bounces go one way or another. And what we saw early on in the season, when you're hot, you're hot. And, I, right? and they are hot. They this are, is the second yeah. longest streak in the 83-year-old history of the American hockey it's, I mean, That's they're, incredible. They're, and it, they are a great team, and I, I'm sure when it comes to playoff time, this is a team we're going to see at some point. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I do think we've got an edge in, in some categories, and you got to hope. You're not going to win 26 games, I don't think. I mean, at some yeah. point, they got to lose. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I still have it in my head what Bakersfield was before the streak, and that's kind of a 500 team. That team that San Jose usually plays pretty competitive. I mean, we, ta- we talked before the year. We thought it was going to be us and, and, and Tucson. We, yeah. we, I, I didn't even consider Bakersfield. Afterthought, and especially after what happened up in Edmonton you yeah. know, with the firing of Todd McClellan. You thought um, – you know, Jay Woodcroft, who is a disciple of McClellan, came down um, from being an assistant the last few years in Edmonton. You know, things weren't really going his way to start the year. Now, all of a sudden, he's really got that thing going yeah. and, and moving. So, we'll really know who Bakersfield is after these three games, in my opinion. We'll know if they – and I think they are for real, but we're really going to know if they're legit, if they come in and they take, you know, a couple games for San Jose over three, and especially if they come in SAP Center and still yeah. a couple. Well, this, this, this final end of this season here, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big stretch. We got – I think aside from Stockton and Ontario, we're playing all playoff caliber teams, all teams that should make the playoffs. Uh, so it's it's not it's, it's going to be a, a good test, and we've got some potential playoff previews, whether it's Bakersfield or San Diego later on. It's teams we may end up seeing here in, in round one. So uh, get excited, start getting your tickets, yeah. coming out to games because you're not going to. There's going to be a lot of action in these games, especially in a game like a, a series like this where you got three against Bakersfield. By the time you get to that third game, there's going to be some bad blood. It's going to be three games in a row. You're, you know, come yeah. out here for that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, before we wrap up, Joe, I just want to remind fans, the Barracuda go on the road this Friday and Saturday, but full broadcast coverage on KDOW and also on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app and on AHL TV. But then they return back on Tuesday. That's when they begin the five-game homestand. And the homestand includes some of our biggest promotions. This Saturday we'll have uh, Ninja Turtles night with the giveaway for the Bobbleheads if uh, – Tomas Hurdle and Redeem Shimmick. Also, the Barracuda will be wearing specialty jerseys on Saturday. That's March 9th. And then it's followed up by my probably my favorite promotion. That's Pucks and Paws. So you can bring your dog. Just $5 tickets for that game for the dogs. And $10 tickets uh, is the starting rate for humans. So yeah. we'll hit on and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on all that We'll touch on all that next week. Uh, definitely. Hopefully, I know we said we were going to try to bring TJ Hensick on this week. 
maybe we can try to get him next week. I know this week was a little wonky, especially with travel and things in the trade deadline. So, uh, but we'll we'll get somebody on next week, and we'll make sure we hit on those big promotions as well. Absolutely, appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next Wednesday. See you. See you.